1: Today, I'm very pleased to have Mike Aker as my guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. So Mike is an executive communication coach, a keynote speaker, and the author of 10 books, including the best-selling Speak With No Fear and the upcoming Speak With Confidence. Oh, that's kind of perfect for you to be here, published by Wiley. Mike is a recognized expert in communication and executive presence. Mike passionately coaches business professionals to lead and speak with confidence. In presentations, he entertains and inspires audiences using stories of growing up as a son to drug smugglers who turned missionaries. He retells and relates lessons learned on how to overcome insecurity, and exclusion in a cross-culture setting. He unpacks the path from employee to manager to leader. Mike also enjoys rock climbing, wake surfing, skiing, church, building Legos with his son, and going on dates with his wife, Taylor. Mike believes the power of prayer, exercise, journaling, and real community to counter the stresses of everyday life. Please join me in welcoming Mike Aker as we talk about confidence in leadership and speaking. Welcome, Mike.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. Really appreciate that, Vicki. I'm looking forward to talking with you and providing some great value and some content for your listeners.
1: Thank you. And I just loved whenever I came across your profile because, uh, you know, my whole cho- choosing of find your leadership confidence really is in synergy to everything you have in your bio I I think that a lot of leaders don't fully embrace all they could be because of their speaking fears as well as um, lacking in In confidence in all that they do. So I'm very interested to hear some of the things that you say. Um, Hopefully it it aligns with some of the things I do, but actually I might could steal some stuff from you too. (laughs) All right, we start with just asking a simple question about tell everybody where you're calling in from, what part of the country do you live?
2: Yeah, so I'm actually from Seattle, but we have We have moved down towards the beach in Fairhope, Alabama. So we're down near the the Redneck Riviera, (laughs) and it's just a beautiful area. So we're a a recent transplant.
1: Yeah. So what are you going to do with all that sunshine?
2: (laughs) Well, here's what I found out is actually this area of the world actually has more rain than Seattle. (laughs) It just falls all at once, not gradually throughout the year.
1: I have been in those rainstorms in uh, Alabama, so I can attest to that. And if you just come on over a little bit further to Georgia, we have become ducks. We're living in a lot of rain right now. Today, Yesterday was sunny, today it's rain. I don't know. It's crazy. So what led you to write your recent book, Speak with with Confidence?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually wrote the first one, but... I wanted to write this one. So first (laughs) of all, I wrote Speak With No Fear. And that one has about a thousand different reviews. I probably wrote that one because at the time I was coaching people on the side and they kept on asking me, how do I overcome fear? How do I overcome fear? But the book I wanted to write is the book I wrote. And so here's what happened. I started looking at, okay, I want to tell you how to speak with confidence. I want to tell you the pathway. I want to tell you the formula. I want to tell you the framework. And I had an idea, and I was already kind of working on it with people and working people through it, but it wasn't really fleshed out. So now, after Speak With No Fear came out in 2019, and it's become something like 50,000 copies, it's been translated to other languages, on and on, I thought, now I've walked through, I've coached hundreds of people through, led workshops for hundreds of people, thousands of people have read the first book, lots of response, I'm ready to... Expose My Framework for Speaking with Confidence. And it's very unique in this. A lot of books talk about the mechanics. Here's what you do. And a lot of books talk about the messaging. Here's how you say it. But not a lot of books talk about who you are as a speaker. So that internal confidence that shows up in the way that you speak shows up in what you do. So that's what the framework of this book is about.
1: That's fabulous. Absolutely wonderful that you're going that way, because you're right. A lot of books do talk about the techniques and the methods or, you know, uh, how you say it. I I mean, I always talk about that, too. I don't care sometimes what the words are. If you have no passion or power in your words, you might as well not say them. Right. So but when you do speak confidently, it really does show in your stature, in, in your presence, and makes you almost, on you know, audiences can't stop but watch you.
2: Yeah, I always tell people this: that you are the message. So it's yeah. not just what you say; yeah. it's not just the words that you write or the right. story you have to tell. You are the message, and this is why. This is why sometimes a leader can get up on stage and they can say something like. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And sometimes you go, Wow, that's a quote from John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. And if John Maxwell says it and then he just lets it linger the room, people go, Oh, that's the deepest thing ever. But another person says, Yeah, well, you know, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And it doesn't come across impactful. Mm. And it's not just how, it's not just the words, the messaging is the same. The words were different in the way that they were intoned, but it's also who says it. Yeah. So if If a person on their deathbed says, remember, life is who is around you, Mm. and he dies with a room full of people, that's way more impactful than a person who's 20-year-old saying, life is who's around you as he's partying (laughs) with his friends. It it is who says it, who's your identity, and it is a huge part of speaking with confidence.
1: Awesome. So... I think we really talked about my next question about why this is different than others. So have you developed a framework that is going to really help executives use this um, for speaking? You know, we talk about entrepreneurs, but a lot of times, you know, I come from the corporate world for over 40 years, and there's a lot of terrible speakers as executives out there that that could use your framework for sure.
2: Yeah, the majority of people I work with are mid-level to high level professionals. So they're in that realm. So I was working with a president of a company yet or last week. I was working with the CEO earlier today. So there's a lot of different people who high level leaders that mm-hmm. are working on it. Absolutely. The level of business communication is around 20%. So zero is the worst possible. <laughs> 100 is the best possible no one else gets there no one ever gets there but people are in the 90s and such mm-hmm. there are some people up there those are the ones that stand out like an mlk and a lincoln yeah, yeah. there are some 70s more more prone to be 70s typically like a keynote speaker is going to be 60 70 maybe 80 mm-hmm. but the bar of business communication is about 20 percent. Mm-hmm. and they say okay mike Go ahead and update us on the quarterly business review, and you go something like, "Yeah, okay. Um, so um, here's what. Uh, well, anyway, um, I here's what I was thinking, and it was like, oh my gosh, and the whole communication's like that.
1: I've been in those meetings, like, oh,
2: me too. I'm like, oh, just killing now, and yes. the misery, and the misery. So if you can learn some mechanics, if you can learn how to message. And then, especially if you're in a leadership role, if you can learn that identity, it just takes your your confidence, your power, your authority, your effectiveness from twenty to quickly to thirty to forty to fifty, yeah. and then sixty.
1: The 60- yeah, I know. I have been in meetings where it's almost like they wanted to get everything said as quickly as they could, almost as if maybe you won't hear any mistakes I'm making or something. And they ramble so quickly that about five minutes into it, I tune them out because I I can't keep up with what they're saying.
2: Yeah, in the book, uh, when I talk about skills and I I try to really make it different than other books on Mm -hmm. skills, I use a lot of imagery. So I think about how when you're driving down the street, when you're driving down the street in your car, there's actually a lot of noise around you. You don't realize it, though, because you tune it out. Your mind is, is wired to program out just the routine, systematic air condition, white noise, lawn mowing, if that's the lawn mowing day, another noise. And it's so that your mind can tune into the important aspect. So if you turn your mind in, or if you turn your words into something where you're speaking at the same pace the entire time, like this, or like this or like this yes. doesn't matter however you keep your voice if you keep it consistently there you get into that background noise and people's minds start turning it out
1: that is so true absolutely absolutely true so can someone navigate and overcome the imposter syndrome that we all have you know I don't care if you're CEO or an actress or actor, it's going to happen. You're going to always question your ability. So how, how can we um, navigate that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, And this is in the book, Speak With Confidence. It's actually out now. And it was really cool. I picked it up at the Fifth Avenue, Barnes & Noble when I was in New York City. And so I picked it up from a couple of different places and it's pretty cool. Here's what happens with imposter syndrome everybody's going to be tempted to feel that way unless you fit into two categories. And these are false confidence builders. So if you're really arrogant, so think about a celebrity that's just really full of himself. Mm -hmm. They get up there. just like, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. Everybody just worship me. I'm incredible. I'm just the most (laughs) amazing person ever. I've had lots of people, lots of encounters with people like that or apathetic. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't care. I don't really care about anything. Now, those two right there give you tremendous confidence, but it's false confidence. It's not the type of confidence that connects. Everybody else, when we get there, we are looking around the people with us and it comes up, that brings up this issue of value. Mm. And so I've seen this happen with doctors at the highest level, I've seen this happen with professors, with entrepreneurs, with multimillionaires, with people who run billion dollar companies, with low level. Um, entry level workers and over, and over and over again, people typically and not always, typically feel more confident among their peer group that they just fit in with. Mm-hmm. So you make a hundred thousand, your group makes a hundred thousand, you're all doing the similar type of work, you feel like you fit in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you're an entrepreneur and you go into a group of established entrepreneurs and you're brand new. And you're barely making it, and these people are hitting 100 figures or sorry, not 100 figures, six figures every month, yeah. and all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, who am I? Or yeah. you just got promoted into a new level, and everybody else has the manager or director or principal or, or executive level, and you just, for the first time, have that. You start wondering if you're worth it. Hmm. So communication does two things, and when I'm working with people one-on-one or in workshops, I say that communication Is There's barriers that it breaks. So if you are here, you're down here, you're level two, and you want to get to level four, communication Mm -hmm. can help you break it. But a lot of people are level four, level five, or whatever level of leadership, but they feel like their communication is subpar. Mm. Or sorry, they feel like their worth is subpar. And so communication can bring that up. They're at a level six of leadership they're level four, they feel mm. like level four. So they feel like an imposter. They feel like they don't match up. Communication can provide that boost. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome, what is it? It's basically the sense of, do I have the same value as the people I'm going into a room with? Yeah. Do I match up? Do people see me as someone that's worth? Do I fit in? Mm-hmm. Am I included? Am I part of this group? Mm-hmm. And then in the book, I talk about five different levels, Hmm. five different ladder rungs that you can climb up to, to really reestablish the value that you have.
1: So can you give us maybe the first two rungs? (laughs) Just tease us with that? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. I I just didn't want to like, I didn't want to keep on going and going if if you want to go a different (laughs) way. Yeah. So here's ultimately the thing. And there's five different rungs of a ladder so Mm -hmm. imagine it now here's what's important you don't need the lower rungs to Ah. reach the higher rungs of value so if you think about the ladder of value climbing up in value Mm -hmm. the lowest rung on the ladder of value is what you have okay so for example i go in and i have a family member who is is really high up there in wealth extremely up there and not only that, but they hang out with people that are some celebrities and that are extremely high up there. If I said their names, you'd be like instant worldwide recognition.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know these people, but they know these people, my, my family member. So it can be easy to fall into like, oh my gosh, they have this, they have this, they have this, they have this, they have this. I don't have that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so we look at the the possessions, the the wealth accumulation, Mm. the houses, the cars, the income, and we measure our value. These people, going back to the example I used earlier, are making six figures a month. I'm struggling. I don't have as much value. Okay. That bottom rung value is valuable. Mm. You, You cannot say that having money and houses and cars is not valuable. It is. But here's the reality is you don't have to have that to have higher rung value. And even though that that's valuable and it brings some value to you, it is the lowest rung value. That means that Mm -hmm. I can confidently be in a room with a Warren Buffett Mm -hmm. or Elon Musk. And if I have value in other areas, I can feel like I belong in the room with him. Mm -hmm. So what are the other areas? So the second one is where you come from. Mm -hmm. It's your pedigree. It's Mm -hmm. your association. So you go into a room, and I've done this before, and I go into a room with people who are all PhDs. I'm not a PhD. Most of them are from Ivy League or very prestigious colleges. Mine it was just a small little college. And a lot of them come from inherited wealth. Now, they're going to feel this value. They're going to feel value, And it does have some value. They have some connections that I don't have. Mm-hmm. They have this okay. that I don't have. They have that value. That's why a lot of this whole Nepo baby thing is a big thing. You're talking about these people mm-hmm. that value that they inherited from their celebrity star parents. Yeah. Absolutely is valuable. They have doors open to them that I don't, mm-hmm. and that's, that is valuable. But once again, it is low rung value. Now mm-hmm. here's the problem is a lot of people take this value ladder and they switch it up at the top and they go, uh-huh. it's what I have. And it's where I come from oh, I don't care if that's what you have and that's all you have and you don't have the other ones, then you're actually lower valuable than a lot of people that I've met when I've gone to Africa and seen a child with these other values. So what are the the other values? Let's go up to the third one. The third Mm -hmm. one. And I unpack this probably a lot better. than You're doing a
1: great job. I'm (laughs) following you right away. I hope the audience is, but I'm following you right along. It's good.
2: (laughs) Well, if you want to go into it, you grab that book. I think it's like the fifth chapter or something. So so the third rung value is what you've accomplished what you've done Mm -hmm. okay so regardless of what you had and regardless of your starting point what have you done yeah Yeah, i met this guy named bernard when i was in africa and he had dug himself out of poverty Mm -hmm. put himself through school worked done all these Mm -hmm. things okay he'd accomplished something okay now i've worked with a guy who is phenomenal in business and he was on the sales on the road for two and a half years selling his product. And Mm. he worked it so hard and and made it big. So both of these people have done things. They've accomplished different things. I love listening to what people did in the pandemic. Some people, they started this, they changed this, they did Mm. this, they took advantage of this, they went here. Some people didn't. And those who did that and persevered and took that as an opportunity to relaunch, redo something... They did something of value. You think about Elon Musk. If he stopped everything he's doing right now, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: he would have, yeah, sure, the wealth. Yeah, sure, the pedigree that he has. But then also he would have that he built Tesla among other companies. So you think about Jeff Bezos right here. He's he's accomplished a lot.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Now you, it's not about the the scale in the terms of the world, but what have you accomplished in terms of your life? What have you done? What have you, mm-hmm. you get value from that. Okay, that's mid ladder value. What have you done? Here's the top two. Fourth ladder value, what are you doing now? Mm. So you look at you look at it like a Jeff Bezos. I don't know what he's doing now, but he built Amazon and that's what he's done. But if he just didn't do anything now, He's missing out. He just decided to coast coast and do nothing and just go through life. Then he's missing out on Mm -hmm. the second to top value. You you look at somebody who, and you look at, uh, what was it? Paris Hilton. And I think actually she's doing some cool things now. Yeah, she is. (laughs) But for a while, she definitely was not. And the value was not there. Mm -hmm. And yet she looked like she had a lot of value because she had a lot of these these lower well the first two Mm -hmm. the bottom two but it's about what are you doing now Mm -hmm. so if you go into a room and you got promoted that means you got promoted because of something you're doing now Mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing keep moving Mm -hmm. forward keep improving yourself keep growing keep leading and i don't care if the people in the room have more of the bottom three if you are doing the best to your ability in the role that you have at ladder value for, you're putting in the effort, the experience, the mindset, mm-hmm. all of that, then you have one of the top rung values. And so you need to go walk in there and go, I might not have as much as but everybody, everybody else, but you know what? I'm valuable because I'm doing this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. Now let's get to the top rung. The top rung is who do you belong to? It's this in, it's this communal aspect. It's the, do you have family and friends? Are you part of a faith community? Mm-hmm. Are you in a community that cares for you? Are you part of something or are you solo? Like when I look at some of the different celebrities, and I don't know the full story of what's going on, so I won't call out a name, but when I look at different celebrities and yeah, sure, let's flip this backwards. It looks like they're top rung. They have tons of money. They have a great pedigree. They've done some great movies or music or whatever. And they're doing some cool things right now. But they sure look lonely.
3: Yeah.
2: And when I yeah. have quite literally been on someone's deathbed with them, at the end of the day, all that other stuff loses its value.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, my grandma died with a good amount of money in her bank account. And she at once point in time had a house that was down the street from Bill Gates. But who cares when you're dying? Yeah. yeah. You know what mattered? Her daughter was in the room.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Her son-in-law was in the room. And not all the family could be there because they weren't all in town. I was holding her hand and my wife was next to me. And that's, that's value.
3: Yeah.
2: There's a lot of people who have everything else, but they don't have that. Yeah. So if you know that you're valuable, not that you just have things that are valuable. But if you know you're valuable and you can point to it by saying, I have this community of people who loves me for me, then at the end of the day, you have top wrong value. Mm -hmm. And this is why some people I know who can walk into a room and they might not have the bottom three, but they have the top two. They're the most valuable person there.
1: Yeah, I think that's why I love to volunteer so much, because I think that that is the best gift that you could give and i get the most joy from it and i'm not generally getting anything in return except for the satisfaction of that activity that action and it is the community that you build around you family friends church all those things
2: yeah yeah it's that it's that community that i remember there was a woman who died in my neighborhood when i was a kid and we always wondered what she was up to and we always thought she was kind of an odder person and it turned out that although she had accumulated some different things in her life she had no one around her so when she died no one checked in on her and she was dead in her house she had fallen into a like a, a spot in her house and couldn't get up she died mm-hmm. and no one was there to be with her
3: mm-hmm.
2: versus other people you you don't, they don't hear, you know, the family doesn't hear from them for two hours. They're like, where are you? <laughs> my dad texts me all the time. Like, well, I haven't gotten my 4am text, dad. Where are you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I encourage people like go yeah. know your value, know what really makes you valuable and then believe that versus the doubts that come up.
1: Wow. So this is really zoomed by. I can't believe we're already at the time where I need to just do your final question before the rapid fire. So how did growing up in a different setting in Mexico affect the communication and leadership skills that you have today?
2: Yeah, so I did not I did not pick up Spanish right away. And it, it took me a while. And then when I speak, people would laugh. And I was actually kind of more serious kid mm. and sensitive kid. And so whenever he laughed, it changed how I viewed myself. Yeah. And often I tell people the way that you think people view you changes the way you view yourself. And so I changed the way I viewed myself and leaned into a different speaker identity. I became a class clown. Mm. And it wasn't really who I wanted to be. I was actually more of a teacher's pet, but I wanted I leaned into this class clown because the teacher didn't like that. I was distracting, but I wasn't trying to be distracting. Mm -hmm. So I leaned out of that and, and leaned into this new identity. So it really changed me and I had to overcome that. And really, instead of letting others choose who I was, be the leader and be the speaker that I, in my mind, saw myself being. Super,
1: super. I do a youth program as well. And well, several, but the one that I did last night, I had a group of 18 kids and, one of the speakers didn't want to speak because the last time the boys in the class laughed at her.
3: Mm,
1: And so we got past it, but it's, as you say, and what I've seen over the last 11 years of working with these middle school high schoolers is when they get nervous, they start to joke around and laugh and things. And instead of really recognizing and respecting the person that's up there it it, and you oftentimes see the shy ones that are willing to go outside of their comfort zone really excel faster than those that are truly who you thought would be the tremendous speakers right off because they were too embarrassed or too afraid to be vulnerable in front of the class so what you're saying is absolutely what i have experienced
2: (laughs) very true yeah
1: all right it's time for rapid fire why do you think rejection is essential
2: because rejection actually strengthens us it makes us dig deeper into who we are and that when we embrace it we end up actually growing the right type of calluses tough skin and we can keep a soft heart and it makes us makes us unstoppable
1: yeah absolutely You also frequently suggest people smile, pause and breathe. Please explain why.
2: Smile changes the way you feel, how you look and how you see people and how you sound. Pause gives you time to correct yourself. It gives you a moment to think about what's gonna happen next. It eliminates fillers. Breathing allows you to calm your nerves. It causes your voice to sound better. And it's better for your overall well-being.
1: Perfect. How can we filter criticism or perceived criticism?
2: We can learn what we appreciate about ourselves instead of seeing ourselves just through the lens of others. We can then also listen to them and hear what we need to accept about ourselves and make peace with it. And we can take steps to improve
3: mm-hmm.
2: what they say, even if we don't like it or we don't like them.
1: Yes. Sometimes you have to look at that mirror Mm -hmm. and really accept what you find. What advice would you have wished to give, was given to you, um, your 20-year-old self, (laughs) way back then? (laughs) Don't
2: (laughs) accept the victim mentality. (sighs) And don't, just because you don't feel like people are including you, doesn't mean it's not true, that that's true.
1: Very good. Well, it's time now for us to go ahead and share my screen. So if you are just listening in, then you're going to want want to run and get your paper and pencil so that you can take down the website that I'm going to read for you. And those that are watching can do a screenshot. So Mike's website is MikeAker.com. That's M-I-K-E-A-C-K-E-R.com. Again, MikeAker.com. He's on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, searching mikeacre.com for Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. For YouTube, you want to go to Advance with Mike Aker, Advance with Mike Aker, and he is on eSpeakers, and I will let him tell you about what he has for you all.
2: Absolutely. So I'd love to do a call with you. So if you're thinking, hey, I want to break through in my career and my life communication, would love to set something up with you. So if you go to advance.as.me forward slash confidence, so that's advance.as.me forward slash confidence, you can set up a schedule. We can talk through some of the communication challenges that you're coming across or leadership challenges.
1: Fantastic. So again, that's advance.as.me. Dot me slash confidence. Well, it has been a real pleasure and I am going to go out and get your Speak with Confidence book. I think it is fantastic, the things that we shared today. Uh, so much great insight and really telling it like it is. And uh, we all need to grow in confidence and uh, celebrate the, those little wins that we have that help us do so. so. Thank you so much. Everybody needs to make sure that you go to his website and uh, take advantage of his gift as well. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Netling